Postcards from a Dying World, the podcast. For more than a decade, I've reviewed over 1,000 books that are mostly science fiction, horror, and bizarro. This feed will feature bonus audio I have produced over the years, as well as a monthly digest of reviews based on what I've read each month, plus the occasional bonus material about my own fiction. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the September Reading Digest for Postcards for a Dying World. These are all the books that I read and reviewed in the month of September. Uh, so the first one was Devolution, a first-hand account of the Rainier Sasquatch Massacre by Max Brooks. Look, I was looking forward to this book, which was accidentally my third Delt Ray uh, new release in a row. I've always loved uh, Max Brooks as a podcast guest. He has He's a really good and important interview, and especially during the coronavirus, as the world events were very much in the wheelhouse of his research. So, like, his NPR Fresh Air interview and Anna Marie Cox Expanse podcast, she did an interview on her podcast, The Churn, that did a great bonus World War Z episode. And Brooks was even on a local NPR uh, Cinema Junkies episode with uh, our Beth Accomando, which was really cool. I always love Beth's interviews. So I suggest you listen to those interviews. But can I recommend the book? Not really. Um, The thing is, um, I don't have a very strong memory of World War Z. I listen to it on audiobook, which is something that I rarely do anymore. But I got to say from the start, I didn't enjoy this book. Um, it's not to say that it's a terrible book. I can see why it would be fun and interesting for other readers. Um, it's not you, Max. It's me. See, the thing is, this book does a few things I personally just don't enjoy. Um, it doesn't really have a narrative structure. It's all kinds of epistolary, um, reports and things. And I just, that's just not my kind of book. So you add Sasquatch battles, and then by the last couple hundred pages, I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, what am I doing here? The lack of narrative flow kept me from really understanding what was happening with the characters. I lost track of who was writing which journal entries early on and had to look at the dust jacket just to kind of confirm. And the, kind of the setting of the, gr- of the Green Loop Eco Village was interesting. Um, but I've had friends that have lived in similar communities, so I kind of cringed at some of the characterizations. But I could live with all that. Um, but it just took a while to get to the monsters, and by the time it did, I was kind of over the structure. I think there will people will be people who will really enjoy this book, and I respect, respect Max Brooks a lot and what he set out to do. It just didn't work for me, so just got to be honest. Okay, the next book I read is The City We Became by Nora Jemison, a.k.a. N.K. Jemison. Um, and this is my first time reading an N.K. Jemison book, which is kind of um, like a my bad thing because she's won three Hugos in a row, and nobody's really done that before. But anyways, the concept of cities coming to life and being aware is not new in science fiction, but that's kind of what this book is about. In fact... The novel that William Gibson called Cyberpunk Patient Zero and John Shirley's 1978 masterpiece, City Come A-Walking, did just that. It's They're not exactly the same. They're very different, but I'm biased. I know John's one of my favorite authors, um, but City Come A-Walking is, is a masterpiece, but very different. While the starting points are similar, the landscapes of the novels 
could not just they're they're very different at the heart of the city we became is jemison's point of view you often hear critics throw out the trite observations that cities of a piece are a character in a story but in this novel that's literal and jemison's perspective on the city is also a character so it's her point of view really is is a character the novel wears its heart on its sleeve and opinions of the city just jump off the page they're impossible to ignore that is why one of the few negatives i've seen mentioned in reviews is that some readers found this novel to be preachy to me this is a feature not a bug a strength not a weakness <clears throat> i like my sci-fi loud proud and opinionated and i'm not saying i agreed with all of it and certainly can see why some readers found this to be a little bit too on the nose that being said the city we became is the story of cities coming to life and since the focus of the novel is new york it's not just alive as one person but each borough of the city has life so in a sense this novel has action and weird fantastic elements with monsters and multiverses and when you get down to it the city we became is a character driven novel just in a very weird way the novel is also in conversation with Lovecraft as much, if not more directly, than Lovecraft Country, but that's kind of a big spoiler um, in how that happens, so I don't want to really talk about that. But I know that uh, Jemison herself has been doing that in her promotional tours, so um, if you have a problem with that spoiler, that, that that's, that's a mistake she made too. Anyways, The City We Became by M.K. Jemison, big thumbs up. However, the next book I read is, so far, my read of the year. The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. It's a pure horror novel. Uh, and if you're following my feed, you know that I interviewed Stephen, and you can listen to the first kind of 45 minutes before we get into spoilers about the book. But if there's any recommendation you take from me for this month or this year, it's going to be The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. It's one of the best horror novels in this year if not many years but 2020 has been shit for many things but not for horror novels we have got we haven't even gotten to sam j miller and uh, jeremy robert johnson's book the loop just came out this week so this summer um is something special for for horror we've already had sylvia marina garcia's mexican gothic uh mallory by josh mallerman and survivor song by paul tremblay all are must reads they're very different books but um unapologetic and giving us horror and what's really cool about this novel is that it's very um very much uh a diverse set of characters and settings uh, in the sense that it takes place on an Indian reservation, which uh, Blackfeet Indian Reservation, which is a setting that we uh, don't normally get in horror novels. Plenty of horror novels, uh, horror movies and novels are about the actions of thoughtless teens, their actions coming back to haunt them. Few of these horror writers understand the cycle of violence that is life in colonized America as well as Stephen Graham Jones. It's a rare horror novel that takes an unblinking look at that ugly state of affairs. The Only Good Indians is a reversal of a trope. The Native American teens at the heart of this story are not thinking about that cycle either, and that is ultimately why they are haunted. This novel is a journey at its darkest moments. There are moments of beautiful creation that make you thankful that Stephen Graham Jones found his calling. In a year of masterpieces, The Only Good Indians is a horror novel that I feel is not just a classic, becoming a classic in front of our eyes, but it's a book that will be studied and taught for years. 
So I really believe firmly in this book. It is phenomenal. And the three um, acts of the book are all completely different horror novels in different ways. So a um, lot, to, lot to learn there. So the next book I read was Chasing the Light by Oliver Stone. Uh, the frame of this memoir hangs on the years that Oliver Stone worked in the Hollywood salt mines from his early life. Talks about his parents going to war, screenwriting, up until the moment when he was in the top of the film world when Platoon upset the Oscars and swept all the major awards. It's not exactly a rags to riches in a straight line since Stone did win the Oscar for Midnight Express. But it is interesting to see how winning that major prize that first time didn't guarantee that he would get movies made or the movies that he wanted to get made. I was somewhat interested in his early life and upbringing, and once it got to Hollywood life and cocaine, I was a little less comfortable um, how sad some of that stuff was. I like some of the details behind his Conan script, which I love, and if you haven't read his early draft of Conan, it is incredible. Some elements did end up in the final movie, but not really. The thing is, this information and the stories were fine and interesting. Probably some of the most interesting stuff is what a jerk James Woods was in the production of Salvador, which isn't surprising because he's become a big trumper. But all this information would have been great on DVD commentary tracks or long-form interviews like Mark Marin or Terry Gross, something like that. My biggest problem with this book is that I wanted to hear all these stories, but I didn't think it was worth 300 pages and taking away from my other reading. So I kind of regret reading it, but it's still like a three-star read, but only a must for big Oliver Stone fans, um, which I don't know how many of those <laughs> are out there. But um, uh, the next book I read was The Hollow Ones by Guillermo del Toro and Chuck Hogan. I don't personally feel there is anything groundbreaking or mind-bendingly amazing here. <coughs> Excuse me. This is a good and very solid dark fantasy novel. The thing is, this is a year of masterpieces, and I'm glad I read this, and I think serious Del Toro fans should definitely read this. I personally think this year has produced at least five horror novels already that I would make a priority first. If there is a weakness in this novel, it's that um, the character of Blackwood um, is a character that we just got a, a glimpse of, the, the kind of occult detective. And that seems on purpose, and I assume in later books those details will get filled in. Um, this novel is kind of just like a tip of the iceberg first book, and uh, it really feels that way. It, um, I do feel like... Um, Kind of the crime of, of The Hollow Ones is that it needed more setup and payoff to give it more depth, but the novel is perfectly 330 pages, which is publishing standard these days, but it felt like they probably trimmed a lot down to get it to that 330, and I think that, and, and this is rare for me to say this, but I think it was a mistake. I think there's a little bit missing. Even though Del Toro has won Best Director and has a mountain of unmade projects, I, for one, am super glad he is giving us novels as well as films. My only real sadness is that we didn't get some, any of his concept art, because you know he did some. 
I'm down for more Del Toro novels with Chuck Hogan or on his own. It would be cool to see what he does on his own. Uh, pandemic's perfect time. Can't, well, but I know he's out there making Pinocchio, so he is still working on a film. They clearly make a good team, these two, Hogan and Del Toro. I have lots of questions about how they write together in their process. I did reach out to them, but uh, no luck on an interview. But if you're a fan of this podcast and you'd like to uh, see me interview them, uh, hit them up on Twitter, uh, Hogan and Del Toro, and tell them you think you should come on Postcards for a Dying World. Anyways, Del Toro has shown in films like Shape of Water and Devil's Background that he can bring emotional depth. The thing is, he's also made Pacific Rim as well. I like that movie. I really do. <clears throat> but it doesn't reach the level of awesomeness we know he's capable of. I think this book is more in the Pacific Rim territory. It's cool, and there's reason enough to read it, but it's not necessarily as good as, for example, the second book of the Strain trilogy, which was incredible. Um, anyways, uh, that's it for September as far as the reviews I'm doing. I also read Philip K. Dick's Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which will, of course, be a coming episode of the Dickheads podcast. So if you want my thoughts on that, you're going to have to go over to the Dickheads podcast on SoundCloud and find that episode or Spotify where Dickheads is on Spotify. Um, and I've also started reading Osama the Gun by Norman Spinrad. So you'll hear about that next month. And um, anyways, uh, that's September. Thanks for listening.